Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Because everything, everything in life first starts in your mind. Everything that you accomplish in life, everything that's built, starts in the mind with a vision. Now I know you appreciate some soreness brought on by getting busy with a bruising workout. But doesn't it suck when excessive soreness throws us off our game, causing us to back down on our effort, or even erasing those hard-won gains? That is why building recovery into our training plan is so important. Now, one way that I do that is with a simple-to-use recovery and healing tool called PowerDot. PowerDot is an electrical muscle stimulation device that forces type 2 muscle contractions, allowing you to increase muscle performance, speed up recovery, and also find a deeper mind-body connection. I've used complicated stim devices in the past to heal from my back injuries, but those were clumsy devices and not very effective to use for everyday use. The PowerDot, however, is a game changer because of its simplicity and the control through a well-designed mobile app. It's portable and powerful, making it usable for daily recovery or as needed for excessive soreness and to ward off potential overtraining injuries. PowerDot puts professional-level physical therapy into your gritty hands, saving valuable time and money. Now, the PowerDot team loves us at SealFit and Unbeatable Mind, and they have a generous offer for us. You can get 25% off the device when you go to PowerDot.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-D-O-T.com. And use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND, at the checkout. So again, receive 25% off of one of my favorite tools for achieving increased muscle performance and recovery by going to power.com and using that code UNBEATABLEMIND. Hi, this is Mark Devine with the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today, I will be doing the second installment of the way of the seal. I mentioned last time that my publisher has decided to launch a fifth anniversary edition of the way of the seal. First published the book back in 2012 and to commemorate the fifth anniversary, um, we have added two new chapters and completely edited the book and put some key takeaways after every chapter. So to make a great book even better, we'll be launching it around Memorial Day next year. And, um, you know, one of my missions is to train and inspire 100 million people in the next 25 years. And I think a lot of them will be uh, trained and inspired by this very book, which kind of got us started with Unbeatable Mind, actually. I was interesting. I was writing Unbeatable Mind when I was approached by my um, agent, you know, for this particular book, who wanted me to write a book on Navy SEAL leadership. And I told him what I was up to. And, um, I was thinking, well, you know, is Unbeatable Mind, is this the project? And then he said, well, you know, I wanted to have a very much of a SEAL theme. And uh, he he was the one that posed the idea of calling it The Way, which I loved. And so we ended up um, 
I agreed to do the book, and he insisted on my co-writer, Allie. She did a phenomenal job with me and uh, taught me a lot. And so that's how the book came about. And I decided that Unbeatable Mind would continue on. And so I published both, <laughs> self-published Unbeatable Mind and published The Way of the Seal a couple months later. And um, then Eight Weeks to Seal Fit, actually, around uh, a month or so um, after that. So it was quite a year back in 2012. Um, at any rate, next year's proving to be similar, where I'll be doing the uh, relaunch of The Way of the Seal for the fifth anniversary edition in May. And I'm writing Unbeatable Teen, right? So which is essentially a story for teenagers around how to use the unbeatable mind principles in, in their life. And I'm continuing to work on the leadership book, which I'm codenaming Unbeatable Leader. Uh, I think that'll be a little bit longer project. You may not see that until the end of next year or into 2019. At any rate, so we launched this last time to talk about how to lead in an accelerating world and dealing with VUCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And then we dove right into the first principle of establishing your set point. And, and when you establish your set point, you need to make a stand, um, determine you know where you stand, what, is, what are the principles that are going to guide your behavior in the world, and then what's your purpose, and that's defined by kind of an intersection of your principles, your passion, and your sense of why, why you're on this planet and what you're going to do about it. And um, when, you, you know, when you have that clarity, then that's what I call your set point, meaning you're, you're pretty clear about where you're starting right now and, and where you want to go. And then you can set your targets out there and, and point your compass in that direction and then go. And along the way, you've got to be able to embrace risk and loss and deal with failure really well. And that's the way of the SEAL. Essentially, you fail your way forward fast and um, learn uh, from those challenging moments in our lives and, and learn to embrace the suck of those challenging moments. Now, uh, in this podcast, I want to get into principles two and three. Principle two is called develop front sight focus. Keep your eyes trained on the front sight and your front sight trained on the target. That's classic instruction for you know, initial firearms training, and it's a great metaphor for essentially establishing your goal, um, you know, your long target, but then, you know, you need to chunk that down to your short target that you're going to focus on right here, right now, today, or in this moment. And so that short target is akin to that front soap sight post. You keep that, uh, keep your eyes on that front sight post, that target right there. But then, you know, that post or that front sight is leveled toward your longer range target. So you can't uh, you can't look at all the different targets and all the things all the time. You just need to focus on one thing at a time, but you got to make sure it's the right thing at the right time and for the right reason, aligned with your set point. All right. So the, the key principles in uh, front side focus are learning how to prepare your mind properly to be able to focus, and then developing your your imaging capacity so that you can envision your goals effectively, and then specifically defining your mission, and then simplifying your battlefield, simplifying your battlefield. Let's talk about preparing your mind first. Sun Tzu quote, I've used this often in my training, it's one of my favorite quotes, it goes something like this, victorious warriors win first in their minds and then go to war, defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. That's great stuff. Many of you heard the story about um, how I started training my mind with Zen training back in uh, 
1985, yeah, I graduated from Colgate University, went down to New York City, was getting my MBA at Stern School of Business, working away, Coopers and Librands, and then Arthur Anderson. And um, during this time, I was looking for something to get me, keep me focused and uh, physically fit. And I was still running and going to the gym and all that, but it just wasn't, it just wasn't enough. And one day I was walking home and I stumbled across the Sado, S-E-I-D-O, Karate School on 23rd Street in Manhattan. And in I walked, drawn, you know, like a moth to the flame. And I found uh, Grandmaster um, Shihan at the time, Shihan Nakamura. Now, the, in the martial arts uh, Japanese tradition, they have these different names, you know, so you might have heard of Sensei. Sensei was a senior student. Um, peers were called Senpai. And uh, so I had a lot of senseis there, but, you know, the master was um, Nakamura. So he was a Shihan. But then uh, later on, he took on the ceremonial title, title of Kaicho, K-A-I-C-H-O, Kaicho Nakamura, and that meant Grand Master. So he was grander than just being a master. <laughs> and Nakamura truly was grand. I mean, what an incredible mentor he was for me. He continues to inspire me to this day. I've... Um, often said that he was a Zen master masquerading as a karate instructor. So he did both. Uh, and he was excellent at both. So he got me to study Zen and take up it. So I, I read voraciously Three Pillars of Zen and Zen in the Art of Archery and Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, one of my favorite books, Robert Piercing, by the way. All sorts of, um, you know, reading and research, or not research, but just study, I guess. And I began a daily practice of Zen training, um, 20 minutes in the morning every day, and I was quote-unquote religious about this. And I also, we did um, a short meditation before and every after every um, karate workout. And then Thursday nights, I would join a small group of senior students for a, a Zen session, about 45 minutes long of meditation. And then we have a little, little talk afterwards where Naka, Mr. Nakamura would, um, you know, shed some insight on some of the principles. And uh, it was great, uh, great training. I learned a lot of things in that, but I would say the first thing was it's very, very hard to sit down and to try to just meditate. And so Zen understood this. And so the, the initial practice of Zen is to learn how to concentrate just on one thing. And so we would concentrate on the count, try to count to 10 without thinking of anything else, without actively using our um, cognitive mind or rational mind. You know, we would just let go of that and just count. The breath, inhale, exhale, one, inhale, exhale, two. Uh, very difficult. It took me many months to be able to even get past five. Now, if you're honest with that, you know, you'll end up going back to zero quite a bit because anytime you find yourself thinking, you have to go back to zero. At any rate, so I describe a little bit of this in the book, but, you know, the whole point of preparing the mind was, you know, your mind is um, pretty much most people's minds, Western minds, is, is scattered and it's distracted and it's prone to bounce all over the place from one thing to another. It has 60, 80,000 thoughts a day, 80% the same thoughts you had yesterday and the day before and the day before. And you just go through life as this reactionary pinball. And if it sounds familiar, um, it's because, you know, this is pretty common, right? It's pretty common. Everybody has this affliction. We're born with it, right? That, the, the cool thing is that you can overcome it and begin to train your mind, to prepare your mind, to prepare your mind to do the work of, you know, the deep work of winning 
before you step foot in the battlefield. And that's what I mean here in this chapter. So the preparation uh, is practice. Preparation is practice. First, learning how to concentrate and then using that concentration to focus deeply, like that front sight focus. Now, the process um, that I teach now and I put in the book is to start with some deep breathing. Learn how to uh, first control your physiology so you're less agitated physically, that you're more physiologically in balance. Because what is the, you know, the tool of the mind is the brain. That's the organ of the, of the, you know, the thinking mind. And so when you begin to breathe deeply and diaphragmatically, not only are you oxygenating yourself more, but you're um, calming yourself down because you're triggering that parasympathetic nervous system. This is classic, you know, one be- Unbeatable Mind 101 training. And you can learn more about that at unbeatablemind.com in my online academy or come to one of our events. But bottom line is begin to breathe deeply and rhythmically. And that'll begin to slow your brainwave patterns down. And that's experienced subjectively as a lessening of the quantity of the thoughts that are bouncing around in your head. So maybe you go from 80,000 to 20,000 a day, which is huge. Now, of those 20,000, because we're learning how to concentrate, we begin to uh, step into uh, what the Buddhists call a simultaneous mind through this practice. So when you begin uh, concentrating on that one thing, there's something that happens as part of that training, and that is that you become aware when your thinking mind reactivates, right? When So you're thinking, or you're not thinking, but you're breathing, one, two, three, and all of a sudden you realize you're lost in thought, thinking about what's for dinner or, you know, the training day or whatever is going on, you know, something at work, and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm thinking, I need to get back to the breath and the count. And so you go back to zero and just begin over. And then you do that over and over. And pretty soon you develop the simultaneous mind where you're aware of the focus, right? Attention control, the SEALs call it. You're aware of where your brain is being focused and whether it's on the breath or whether it's thinking something. And then you become aware of thinking while you're thinking, which is really interesting. So thinking about your thinking is a process that naturally evolves out of this Zen practice starts with being able to breathe deeply, calmly, and then just doing a focusing exercise like counting your breath without thinking. And then anytime you notice yourself thinking, gently bring yourself back to the breath. That's huge, right? That is huge right there. That practice should be your beginning practice for at least a year. And when you can do it well, then you're, you know, move on to second base, so to speak. Second base for me, I call embracing sacred silence. Now, this process obviously is a quiet, silent practice. And, you know, generally it's done sitting on a bench or in a, on a mat or something like that. Or you can do it sitting in a chair, which is fine, uh, quiet and alone or in nature. And um, most people are uncomfortable with that. They're, they want to be busy. You know, their mind is searching for something, some shiny thing to focus on. Um, you know, the, the iPhone has been just a huge boon for our distracted mind. And every time you, you check your email or you get that text or your Facebook, you know, um, registers another like, you get a little dopamine hit and that feels good momentarily. And, and so now we're just on our iPhones like eight hours a day or on TV or media and we're just constantly distracted. And embracing sacred silence is the opposite of that. It's taking time to really appreciate non-distracted quiet time. And this is when your brain is able to settle down and and to really breathe and concentrate on one thing. And then, you know, you just fall into silence. 
And I don't mean outer silence. I mean inner silence. The type of deep quietude that comes after, you know, 30 or 40 minutes of meditation practice when you've done it for nine months to a year. And uh, so in the book, The Way of the Seal, in this principle, I, I offer you an exercise I call Still Water Runs Deep. This actually came from one of Nakamura's lectures where we did our 45 minutes of meditation. Then he had got up and he has a traditional blackboard. And he always started his lectures by writing the Japanese kanji characters. And he wrote these kanji characters. And then he would, in block letters, spell out what it meant in English. And he he had a very kind of broken English. And so one day he wrote these kanji characters and then he spelled out underneath, still water runs deep. And he's like, still water runs deep. And he said something to the effect that our mind is normally like the choppy, you know, class five rapids, you know, it's just all over the place and it's rushing all around and it's like very turbulent. You can get lost or drown in the in the day-to-day thinking and not ever experience the depths. But then all of a sudden the river will round a bend and it'll get wide and deeper. And all of a sudden you'll find that the river gets really calm. And in that the center of that deep spot, um, the water is very still because it's running nice and deep and it's like spread out. And so his idea there, the notion is, and the idea for the exercise that I offer is to take yourself into that place mentally and metaphysically to where you tap into the still water that runs deep inside of you. So I actually offer an exercise where you um, you kind of find this very beautiful crystal clear pool in your mind's eye. It's a visualization and then you just walk into it and you sink to the bottom and this visualization in this um, in this depth is, is super quiet and super calming and and uh, it helps you kind of connect to that silence. So sacred silence, um, 15 to 20 minutes a day of, you know, first breathe and then just drop, let the breath go and uh, go into the concentration practice and then go into your still water runs deep exercise can have a profound effect on preparing your mind for battle because what you're doing is essentially you're getting out of your thinking, quote, rational mind, and you're being able to, you know, connect with and use the tools of your non-rational mind. And I've, your rational mind, it thinks in kind of linear past to present to future. Um, It's a problem solving thinking, you know, but also easily distracted uh, aspect of your mind and personality. Whereas the uh, still water aspect of your mind slash brain is where you'll have spontaneous insights. Uh, You'll be able to connect to your intuition belly intuition, heart's intuition better. And you'll be able to, you know, kind of find that calm in the midst of the storm so that you can focus on the right thing at the right time for the right reasons and knock the ball out of the park. I'm mixing metaphors, but hey, you get the picture what I'm talking about. So the second, so that's the first skill. The second skill is to begin to work with your imagery so that you can envision your goals. And I call this a future me imagery or mental projection. So mental projection is where you take your mind into a future state and you envision yourself accomplishing that worthy task or goal that you're going to accomplish. And also you envision yourself as the person who's worthy of accomplishing that goal. So of course, it's important that that goal is the the right goal. And we'll talk about that in the next principle 
where we get into choosing targets in principle three. And it's connected to your set point, which I went through in principle one. Like, why are you here on this planet? What are you going to do about it? What's your purpose? Good. And then what's that worthy goal that you're going to accomplish? And, you know, let's say, how are you going to serve the world in 20 years? And how are you going to uh, move the dial forward um, in the next 18 months to three years? You need to get some imagery and envision what each of those are like and then keep practicing that vision. And I say that eventually when you can see it and you practice seeing it in your mind's eye, over time you'll become to believe it energetically and emotionally. It'll happen inside of you first. And then you just take massive action in the world to make it happen. See it, believe it, and make it happen. These are the skills of the way of the seal. So essentially, you first begin by fantasizing, what could my life be? What would it be like if I accomplished, you know, this? Like when I stated last year or, you know, really recently, you know, right now I'm recording this in December of 2007. Uh, Most of you listening to this in 2018, but I'm recording in December 2007. We just finished up our annual summit, which is an incredible event. And I stated to the summit audience that... um, this year, 2017, I kind of evolved my own personal vision and the vision of my company, Unbeatable Inc., to be able to serve, to train and inspire 100 million people to pursue the path of fifth, the fifth plateau awareness, which is what I call the world-centric leader, which is the high, a highly evolved state of um, care and concern and perspective, something we train in Unbeatable Mind. 100 million people in 25 years. Now, I think it's very possible, right? I think it's very possible. This book alone, you know, has changed, you know, probably hit a million people. It hasn't sold a million copies yet, but it's sold close to a half a million. And most people share the book. And so it's easily seen a million hands. Um, my book, Unbeatable Mind, probably the same or close to that. We've trained uh, over 10 years, you know, thousands and thousands of people who've led by example and influenced others, you know, so we're already, the seeds of that are already well-placed and um, next 25 years, I think we'll, we'll knock the bottle of the park together. Um, everyone listening to this podcast will be part of that. You too, uh, because we're not certainly not going to do it alone. Well, that was a powerful vision. And in that vision, I had to first see it in my mind. I had to be able to envision that. What would it look like for us to serve a hundred million people and who would I need to be? And so I'm like, wow, there's some gaps, you know. So I need to I need to fill my own gaps and step up to be able to be that type of person. And so, you know, I do I'll do my part every day to continue to train and evolve so that I can fulfill that. You know, I don't think anybody's stationary. We're all growing, and and uh, even the most evolved people have a vision for where they can be or want to be uh, in their lives to be able to serve boldly. And so that's kind of um, what this whole thing is about. You got to be able to see it. And then not just let it go and then forget it, but practice it every day. Because everything, everything in life first starts in the mind. Everything that you accomplish in life and everything that's built starts in the mind with a vision. Hey folks, I want to bring your attention to a product developed by a Navy SEAL friend of mine who is a doctor. Uh, First he was a SEAL, then he became a doctor, and then he went back and worked with the SEALs. His name is Doc Parsley. Some of you might have heard of him by now. We call him the sleep doc. All these SEALs were starting to come to him and, and, you know, with these symptoms that looked like adrenal fatigue. And so he started treating adrenal fatigue and realized that the common denominator with all these guys, that they weren't sleeping. It's pretty 
big problem in military spec ops with the pace of operations and combat. And these guys were just all out of whack. Cortisol was racing their body. Their hormones were depleted. And, dep- you know, they had the, essentially the, the testosterone level of 13-year-old girls is the way he jokes about it. They had a big problem. And what he found is that they were working out like madmen, but they're putting on weight. Their, you know, cognitive level was like they were drunk. Anyways, they were, they had this perception that they could perform, but they just couldn't perform anymore. And it was a real problem. So he identified that the common denominator was lack of sleep. So even an hour of not enough sleep a night over the course of a a year is going to lead to 14 pounds of weight gain and could degrade your performance by up to 30%. Throws your testosterone, your growth hormones, insulin sensitivity all out of whack. And it's going to create emotional uh, instability, decision-making challenges, impulse uh, control challenges, and decrease your willpower. Basically, your prefrontal cortex is compromised. So... What he did is he, he went around and he, and, he, and he said, go buy this, buy this, buy this, and then you know, start taking it, and it worked. And so they said, well, this is a pain in the neck to buy all this. Can you, can you put it all together into one thing? And so that became Doc Parsley's sleep remedy. I tried this recently at our Unbeal Mind Summit, and it worked really, really well. I, I kid you not. Like I took it, and I fell asleep within 20 minutes, and uh, I didn't have any grogginess when I woke up. I thought it was great stuff. So... Um, I told him I wanted to uh, let my folks know about it, let you know people who are listening to this podcast know about it. And he offered everyone a 10% off. So if you want to try Doc Parsley's Sleep Re- Remedy, uh, which is essentially a, it's just a supplement. It's a nutritional supplement. It's all natural stuff, which creates a normal cascade of the physiological things that are supposed to happen when um, you're going to go to sleep. But a lot of us don't have that cascade or don't have that stuff happening anymore because of our lifestyle. So this will kind of stimulate um, proper you know, preparation for sleep and, and, the, and the sleep cycles. Um, he has an unlimited, no questions asked, money back guarantee. Um, you can't beat that. So go to docparsley.com, D-O-C-P-A-R-S-L-E-Y.com and use the code UNBEATABLEMIND, all one word, all, all one word, UNBEATABLEMIND when you check out to get 10% off. And uh, highly recommend it. Hoo yeah. Okay, so then next uh, um, up is defining the mission. Defining the mission. What's you know? I've got this vision, but that doesn't mean that's my mission, right? So how do you know? How do I accomplish this? The vision is to train and inspire. 100 million people to make the world more resilient, integrated, and peaceful. How do I accomplish it? You know, what's my specific mission plan? And so now we got to essentially start to ask good questions and to develop a mission plan. And so that mission plan, um, you know, is going to have your overall vision and then what's, you know, where you are right now. So it's tied to your set point. And then you got to answer questions like, why are you doing this? What's your why? And is, it, is this why aligned with you as, an, as a person? And is your team aligned with this mission? Right? So, you know, if you choose a mission that's not aligned with your purpose, then you're going to fail. And if you choose a mission that's not aligned with something you're passionate about or you know, that you don't have the skills for, then you'll fail. Or if your team doesn't back you up, then you'll fail. 
So ask yourself, is there a higher priority mission or some other mission that may come up and sidetrack me? If so, then that's the main one. And who do I need to be involved to get this mission accomplished? You know, in my case, it's going to be thousands of people helping me. That's how we're going to tackle it. It's not just me alone, right? But what's expected of me? What's my role? And what are the roles of the others, right? So when I say train and inspire, well, my role might be mostly to inspire through podcasts and books. And because there's only so many people I can train in person. But, you know, if we had a thousand coaches, unbeatable mind coaches, each coaching you know, several thousand people a year. Now we're starting to get somewhere. And um, what other, you know, specific tasks are required before I can even step into this, right? And that's kind of where I was talking about earlier about the gaps. What am I missing in my both horizontal and vertical toolkit? And what I mean by that is vertical development is the development that, that is activated when you train in the way of the seal that's evolving our own awareness, evolving our consciousness, evolving our capacity to lead, evolving our capacity to trust and be trusted, our capacity to step into that Kokoro heart mind, evolving that so that we can see the world from the highest perspective, world-centric care and concern. I call that the fifth plateau. That's vertical development. And then there's the horizontal development. So I, I've got some vertical development to do and also got some horizontal development, meaning those, these are the skills, the communication skills, the writing skills, you know, the media type skills, the things that I'm going to need to do to learn, to master, to be able to project, right, information effectively. So I've got some gaps that need to be filled. What are those gaps? I got to identify them. I need the skills to even identify them. And then I got to work continuously to close those gaps. That's why this is a lifetime of work. It's, you know, you have the daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, annual practice and training. And that's, you know, essentially the way the SEAL. We get into that actually in principle eight, like the the way the SEAL training plan. But let me get back to the, you know, to where we're at right now, which is, you know, what's the mission? Define the mission and ask good questions. Now we come to this incredibly important concept that I've, you know, hit up a few times and I talked about it in the intro, simplifying the battlefield. Simplifying the battlefield means, you know, scanning for what's, um, what is it in your life that is complexifying your life and then get rid of it. I love the four quadrant matrix that Eisenhower used to use and where, you know, he, he said, essentially, you've got to focus, you have things that are urgent and not urgent and you have things that are important and not important. And most people spend their time on the not important and not urgent things. And that's stuff like all the distractions of your iPhone, you know, or your Android device, all the dopamine hits, you know, texting and Facebook and Twitter and blah, 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 and TV, all these things. You know, and and most meetings tend to fall in this category. And a lot of things, the way we fill up our time, tend to fall in that category. Not urgent, not important. Now, you might have the urgent and not important. Sometimes we have to deal with those things. There's a little crisis, so it's okay. But, you, you know, a lot of people also spend time on urgent and important things. This is, these are the things that you have to do to, you know, to move the doll forward, move the ball down the road. That's all fine or down the field. So urgent and important is okay, but still not the best use of your time. So you want to find time every day to work in the category, the quadrant of not urgent and important. And this is where you do the deep work. 
Cal Newport's term, deep work. And that's where like me writing a book or me doing this podcast, it falls in the category of not urgent, but important. Meaning I'm not putting out a fire here. I'm actually kind of creating some content around the way of the seal principles so that more people can engage with it, especially if they haven't read the book. Right? And maybe you'll, you'll get the book for the details. So you got to simplify the battlefield. I talk about the 80-20 rule. So, you know, appreciate that 80% of your time is wasted on things that, that um, you know, that don't produce results and that 20% of your, you know, res- you know 20% of your time is focused on the things that do. So you flip that, cull the field, look at what you do, figure out how you're spending your time, get rid of the 80% and then focus, you know, that 80% new time on the 20% of the things that are bringing results that are things that are um, important and unique to you. In order to do that, you have to determine what your unique offer to the world is. Like, what is the one thing that you, that makes you different than anybody else? And so asking questions such as, what am I exceptionally good at? What am I super passionate about doing? What one thing do I, or we as a team, do better than anyone else? What qualities do I possess that give rise to uh, this uniqueness? Who benefits most from this capability of mine? How would I benefit and how would the world benefit if I were able to deliver more of that uniqueness to the world? And what can I do right now to get rid of things that are in my way, to eliminate the obstacles, the 80% of the stuff that is just taking up my time? Now, be fair, a lot of those things are there because of the way we've thought in the past, you know, and we've got some very real issues around, you know, making money and, you know, putting food in the table and all that. But, um, you know, with a little bit of thought and course correction, we can kind of bring ourselves into alignment by applying this KISS principle, simplifying the battlefield, keep a simple Sally, and decluttering your environment, decluttering your mind, and getting radically focused on the right thing at the right time for the right reasons. And this is critical for developing front sight focus. In the exercises in principle two, I talk about you know, with win, winning in your mind, how do you get your mind focused and how do you, de, you know, declutter it? Well, I offer you the direct process. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail here. You can find that in the book, but directing your mind uh, for, to find that great attention control and focus. Once you teach it how to concentrate, now where do you, what do you do with that? Well, you've got to d- direct your mind to the right things so you can focus on them. And that is having, essentially, I, I offer you a process to set up a sentinel in your mind who will be seated in that, that simultaneous part of your mind that's watching your thinking. That sentinel will detect any thoughts that slip in your mind, uh, negative or positive. They'll interdict negative and useless thoughts. It'll redirect to something positive. It'll energize those. It'll communicate with you um, using a, a power statement or mantra, like feeling good, looking good, ought to be in Hollywood. And then you'll train yourself every day in the way of the seal of this winning in the mind. Next, you'll build your mind gym. This is where you're going to do the still water runs deep and other mental projections. And you'll learn how to keep things simple so you can focus, focus, focus with that front side focus. Awesome. Moving on to principle three, bulletproofing your mission. Now you've defined your mission. Um, you're really, really clear about why you want to do the mission. Now you've got to bulletproof it. And like I said earlier, sometimes we choose this huge mission. Like in the book, I give the story of when I launched the Coronado Brewing Company back in 1996. I was just getting off of active duty. 
And I didn't really have a greatly defined mission. I really, you know, with my brother-in-law, Rick, I just kind of wanted to get into business. I wanted, I love the idea of having, you know, a brewery with beer. And, you know, beyond that, I didn't give it a lot of thought. You might be surprised, but, you know, hey, it's just the way it was. Um, and so I didn't really have great high-value targets that I had set up. It really was, you know, a lot of reactionary leadership where, you know, I needed to raise money and then I needed to raise more money and I was reacting to whatever drama or thing of the day. And, you know, it was, it was a challenge to get that up and running, but I did. And, um, you know, a year and a half later, because I hadn't, uh, one of my targets was not, um, I didn't have the target of having a really highly, um, healthy partnership. You know, I was just in it with my brother-in-law who then brought in his brother and now there's three of us, three amigos. And anyways, um, things started to go south because we didn't share the right, you know, the same vision and we didn't share the same ethos and, you know, we were going after the wrong targets. So we didn't bulletproof our mission. I didn't bulletproof my mission and the thing started to spiral out of control. So I essentially basically handed my brother-in-laws the um the business and said okay tag you got it you know you're just too negative and i can't handle this and um you know for the health of my wife and i and my family i'm gonna walk away and um of course the business <laughs> coronado brewing company is huge today so walked away from millions of dollars but hey it's not about the money it's about doing what's right so you gotta you gotta select high value targets you gotta explore all your options for tackling those targets you gotta be able to communicate your vision well you got to dirt dive the vision, meaning, you know, going back to winning in your mind. You got to be able to, to practice it mentally uh, before you go execute it. Now, one of the most cool tools, most cool tools, one of the coolest tools that I um, developed, um, you know, for my own use and then put in, into this book here is called uh, the FITS process. This is a, a way to select the highest value targets. And this came from, um, the idea came from the Navy SEALs target selection process uh, called CARVER. That's the acronym. And it was a process that the uh, SEALs would use and special ops would use to um, identify the highest value targets to go after. Because like I said, you know, where we've said before, you can, you know, there could be a number of targets that are potential targets, but only one of them, you can only go after one at a time and you're going to want to make sure it's the most high value target. And when, you know, we went into Iraq and Afghanistan, we had literally the, we, we would identify the highest value targets. And in that war, it continues to this day, obviously, people, you know, individuals, bad guys were the targets. When I was uh, active duty SEAL, a lot of times we were, you know, hunting, not people, but um, harder targets, you know, like weapons of mass destruction or, you know, enemy kind of equipment and stuff like that. At any rate, so the... the the Carver process was pretty complicated, so I said, well, I want to use something like this, but I want to greatly simplify it. So I came up with the acronym FITS, does the target fit? And the F stands for does the target actually fit your skills or your team skills? And does it provide a high return on investment? Meaning, is it is it really worth your time? The I in FITS is how important is it to achieving overall mission success? Remember, you might have multiple targets that you have to hit on your way to overall mission success. When I say target, I'm not talking about your mission. I'm talking about the goals 
that you have to accomplish on, on the way to mission overall mission success. So we're chunking this thing down. How important are, is each target? Because again, just like you might have, you have to be careful about which mission you choose. You know, if my mission is to, you know, serve 100 million people, there's multiple targets going to be along the way over that 25-year journey. So I got to choose the right targets. They got to be linked in the right order too. And that brings me to the third. The T is, is the timing right for pursuing the target? If I haven't gotten the right skills or if some other pieces of the puzzle aren't in place, then I might embark on a target too soon, or I also might have missed the boat and missed the opportunity. Any entrepreneurs out there listening know well that timing is really important when you launch a business or a new product. So to be able to um, have a way to, to look at that, this helps you out. And then the last one is back to that KISS principle. Is the target simple? Is it clear? Is it going to be easy for me to, uh, to come up with a plan for how to tackle it and communicate it? So that's the FITS process, which helps you select high-value targets. Next, you know, I, I talk about exploring all your options for tackling that target. And I came up with another acumen, another tool, which I call PROP, as in prop up your plan. And, um, you know, this is essentially a really, really simple condensed form of the, the military decision-making process, which is, you know, I wouldn't recommend anybody use that unless you've got a lot of time in your hand and a staff. But the military decision-making process, if you, could, if you could chunk it down into a real simple thing, what we're saying is what are the priorities that you have? And then what are the realities? So think about that. These are my priorities. These are my top three priorities. And then these are the realities about um, the world that we live in or my specific, my specific situation, right? These are my challenges. These are my obstacles. This is the reality. And again, try to get really simple with this. And then the third one is the most important. What, what are the options that come to mind for me to tackle this target, right? There could be multiple options. You want to you put those options through, you know, a little filter, the FITS filter, you know, to figure out which of those targets are the best ones to, uh, to use, which, which plan, I should say, which option to tackle the target. And then choose one. And that's your path forward. And, and with that path forward, you're going to use the, you know, some simple tool to develop a uh, very specific mission plan. We, we call that the SMAC process. What's the situation? What's your mission? What actions are you going to take? What, what's your command and control and how are you going to communicate? Which brings me to this next point in bulletproofing your mission is communicating the mission. Communicating the mission. When I was in the SEAL teams, uh, you know, we communicated our missions very visually. So, you know, we used a ton of video, ton of pictures. We would speak in uh, visual terms. We wanted everyone to have the same image in their mind of what this thing looked like. When I started the Coronado Brewing Company, I also did that um, when I was raising money. I had a business plan that was almost all pictures. I had tons of pictures. I had coasters made up. I had uh, labels all done. I had pictures. I had a graphic artist do pictures of what the what the brewery would look like, you know. And so I was able to kind of generate an image in the mind of the investors, the potential investors, of what it looked like. And it, you know, the, and I would use language around what I wanted them to feel when they were in the brewery. And so I think a lot of people really invested. Obviously, they're investing in my ability to raise money and get the job done. You know, the fact that I had the MBA, CPA, Navy SEAL, you know, experience didn't hurt. But also, you know, I could give them the image and the feeling that they were in this, you know, 
really warm, uh, inviting environment with mahogany bar and you know copper brass or copper and brass brewing equipment in the background and a fire, you know, wood fire pizza blazing away uh, oven. And, you know, it just, they got it. And frankly, we built it almost exactly like that. And the business is a big success to this day. Okay, so um, you got to be able to communicate and you got to communicate both visually and emotionally so that everyone's on the same page with the mission and they, they're clear on how it's going to get done. And then once you get to that point, you got to stop talking and begin doing. But instead of going right out on the mission, you go practice it. We call this dirt diving. You know, when the SEALs nailed Bin Laden, they dirt dove that relentlessly for weeks. They had a mock building build up. They had, you know, they went through that building hundreds of times. They had everybody, every different, you know, player in that mission dirt dove the mission until they um, they knew exactly what could go wrong at every stage. They had gone through the scenarios of, of how to handle what could go wrong. And things did go wrong. Also, you know, they crashed a helicopter insertion that didn't slow them down at all. They just immediately went through their SOP or standard oper- operating procedures and then carried on with the mission. So you got to dirt dive the mission, you know, and then um, when you're ready to execute, now you've prepared the mission, you got front safe focus on it, and you bulletproof the mission. So that success is all but guaranteed. You've won in your mind before you step foot in the battlefield. All right. So there you go. That's uh, principles two and three, developing front sight focus and bulletproofing your mission. And the next time I do this, we'll be getting into principle four, do today what others won't, and principle five, foraging mental toughness. So stand by. Until then, train hard, stay front sight focused. And bulletproof your missions. Hoo-yah. Divine out. Lock and load, boys. Time to explode, boys. Make sure you get home, boys. They got your back. The pride of the fleets. The bright swinging frogmen of the U.T.T. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.